If you'd like to listen to Radio Free Brooklyn when you're not in front of your computer, please consider downloading our free mobile app available in the App Store for iPhone or the Google Play Store for Android. Hey, this is Scott Making Sense. You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, and it's time to get lost in Radio Free Brooklyn's very own weekly dig into the audio archives of our questionable, or maybe not so questionable, pasts. My name is Alon, and along with my friends Will and Rachel, we shall be your facilitators of the rough and raw sounds into your yesteryears, where we hope to gain a little perspective as to how you got from there to here. Earlier this week, we had a chance to speak to the New York City-based one-man band Scott Making Sense about his early days as a musician. We had a lot of fun during the recording session, and only so much of it was able to make it to the broadcast. So please enjoy. But first, a little toots. As always, Rachel Teichman. Hey. And Will Hasty. How you doing? And also joining us, this week's guest, a very charming New York City-based fellow named Scott Greenberg, who under his artist handle, Scott Making Sense, released his debut album last year entitled Sense Like Money. This past summer, he released a follow-up EP called Extremely Popular Rap Songs, available on all relevant platforms. But Scott, make no mistake, Makes way more than just rap. Scott, welcome to Lost and Rewound. Hey, everybody. How we doing? You seem to be uh, amongst one of these funny people that I have somehow not crossed paths with in the before times. But here we are in the after times. And you are the here end joining times. us. The end times? So no. Perhaps. Whoa. Is this too dark to start on? No, it's not too dark. Please <laughs> elaborate on uh, on uh, where you think this is going to go at the end of the month. Uh, you you just released some music, so I mean you're making the most of this uh, unfortunate time. Give us your uh, apocalypse. Thousands of years ago, <laughs> of course. <laughs> 
came over the land. Um, no, I'm not that dark. I, <laughs> I'm just being silly. If it is the apocalypse, I'm going to keep making music though. And I'll continue releasing it until the end. I did make one decision though, early into this pandemic that I refused to write a pandemic song. Were you tempted? I think very early I was like, oh, I could write a song about COVID. And then I was like, no, that's a really stupid idea. And then literally every other person on the internet did it. And I'm so glad I didn't. I wrote a COVID song, but it wasn't really a COVID song. I never released it. I just wrote it in my memo, my phone to the tune of River of Dreams by Billy Joel. But it was about walking my dogs in the middle of the street. So I was just like, in the middle of the street, in the middle of the street, I've been walking my dogs, I've been walking my dogs. I don't know. I'm okay with that. You know, I kind of have to agree with your philosophy of not writing COVID-based material. Uh, But I have my own reasons why I haven't done that. What are yours? I think that my music is original. And I try and steer away from topics that I know, like, everybody else is going to gravitate towards. So that's probably the main reason. Did you it's not that? like an ethical thing. I'm not like, oh, it's such a terrible disease and I don't want to go near that. Like, it is, it's bad, but I don't think that should stop you from, you know, making art about it. Yeah, I agree. Did the world changing in a pretty fundamental way directly affect you or directly affect your creative process? It gave me a lot of free time. Um, <laughs> so in that way, I had a lot of time the last few months to be creative which is like one of the you know positive outcomes of this. Did you feel that sense of, uh, was there a sense of foreboding? Was there a sense of freedom? Like, was there, how, like when the world changed, how would you say you suddenly, it, it, it affected you directly, shall we say? Like artistically in that, um, in that way, as like myself as a solo artist, I didn't feel like it changed much because most of my artistic stuff is me sitting in this room in front of this computer just in my own bubble but i do i also play in a band i play guitar in a band called impossible colors and when this happened we i haven't seen those guys you know in months we haven't been able to practice we haven't had shows we had an album coming out we had to cancel our album release so like things got real weird in that world oh dude that's that's all i'm sorry like human collaboration is not a thing yeah yeah. The human collaboration has been compromised uh, something serious over this year, which is really unfortunate because like this was supposed to be, if anything, a year like it's 2020. It's the beginning of a new decade. Therefore, like this is a time to like, really like capitalize on doing the things that we hadn't done maybe over the last de- decade. And now, oh, well, <laughs> that's exactly the case. You try something new, though, for real. You're in Washington Heights, so you're way the fuck uptown. But uh, yeah. Upstate New York City. Upstate New York City. <laughs> the, band, the band is half New York City, half Nyack. Okay. So and you're we from in your time. Yeah, you're from that area. You're from the, a little more of the upstate region. Yeah. So we were all living in Nyack um, together and we're playing music. And then half of us moved into the city. I've been playing music for a long time. Um, I've been in a lot of bands. I've had a SoundCloud for probably 10 years. And there's a lot of weird, random, old things on there. So that kind of, I mean, I've always been doing that for a very long time before SoundCloud even existed. This instance of this Scott making sense, like I've just in the last few years kind of come up with that name and that sort of project and putting stuff out as that. I got to say, as a Talking Heads fan, I get it. 
I really do. And I appreciate it a lot. And when I saw the submission, I read it a few times. And I was like, this is a guy from my, after my own heart. Thank you. Um, like the Talking Heads, who other than that band would you list as influences to your styles? I think the biggest has got to be They Might Be Giants. They're kind of like the band in my mind. But aside from that, I grew up listening to like a lot of like punk music. I played in punk bands. So like like when when I was the young impressionable age where you first start buying your own music, I was listening like I bought like Dookie. Oh know, my and, god, that yeah. is the very first album yeah. I ever bought. That yeah. is that is literally a kinship that may be a kinship between the three of us. Was that, so that like Yeah, that shit. And also you. my junior year <laughs> English teacher. Nice. <laughs> Ooh. When did Dookie come out? What year is that? 94? Uh, yeah, 94. So I was probably around 9 or 10 at the time. At that point, how into the realm of creating music were you? At that point, making music wasn't really, you know, anything for me. I started playing drums, though. I was probably in school band at that point, like playing, you know, like snare drum. But... Around like 13 or 14, I started getting more serious. I was taking drum lessons and playing in NISMA. You guys do uh, NISMA? What was that NISMA? is a conference. or not New York State like a... Scholastic Music Assessment. Yeah, I was going to say. It was like a thing where you go to, with a whole bunch of other uh, child musicians around. The... Child musicians. Child prodigious <laughs> prodigical <laughs> musical students of the New York State. Uh, the youth the youth that uh, all play their own instruments and they all get together uh, and they play for, I guess, a, like a panel, I guess? I don't you know. know. It's like a, it's like a juried thing. You get, like, judged and graded. Cool. <laughs> and <spat> so, out. <laughs> so at this point, did you, did you have aspirations of being a rock star? Did you, did you have asp- like Like, was the idea... Because I, very similarly, I listened to Dookie and I started taking drum lessons. Did this begin the trend or was this just sort of early inklings and, and like the seed was still yet to, to seed? At that point, I don't, I don't know what, what I was thinking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I think, you know, shortly after it, it started becoming a thing where I knew I wanted to play music and play in bands. And then I've been doing that, you know, for 20 years. Are your point, parents so. musicians as well or were they involved in any musical form? They were not musicians, but they were big fans of music. They had like a very extensive record collection. Did they take you any shows with them? Um, a little bit, yeah. I remember going to see uh, Jethro Tull. Nice. That was nice. a big band for them. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure Willie Nelson was there as well. Hell that was yeah. the, that's the but same. Wait, show? how old were you remember. when you saw this? Uh, I was a little older than that. I think okay. like I was probably I was in high say. school at that point. Yeah. Uh, you appreciate parent rock a little bit more when you're in high school. Yeah. I think we already mentioned Billy Joel. My mom loved Billy Joel. So we saw him at the garden. Damn. Um, I think I'm kind of scarred from too much Billy Joel though. <laughs> yeah. I get that. I feel that. I feel that. Yeah, for sure. He, I just remember him playing for like, three hours or something like he did like three encores and i was That's like come awesome. even even when in my age like i was young but i was like come on guy <laughs> like get over yourself all right 
first show that you went to see with friends or or not with your parents uh, that you literally you sought this out and were like, I'm going to this shit. You could dr- you you can't stop me. Well, I went to a lot of like local shows like when I was living in Rockland, like in Nyack, that was kind of the scene for like underage shows at the back door. Sure. So like from the time I was probably like, you know, 14, I was, I was going to shows there, but the first like big like name band show I probably remember going to was the pop disaster tour, which was green day blink 182. And I think saves the day opened. That makes me want to cry. At me too. Holy shit. You guys going to be able to keep your composure? I don't know. That just like hit me, man. <laughs> no, dude, that was like, that's like, that's like three hugely influential bands on my very early teen life, you know? Like, yeah. I, yeah. And there was, I remember the earlier part of that tour, Jimmy Eat World opened. Ooh. And wow. I, was, I was bummed out because I wouldn't, I wanted to see Jimmy Eat World instead of Saves the Day. But now, like at this point in my life, I think I, I'm happy the way it went. Have you ever gotten to meet any of your idols or any of your uh, of musicians that you've revered over the years and have those moments kind of helped influence you as an artist? I recently, maybe like two years ago, I met Nels Klein from Wilco. Oh, wow. And yeah. that was like really awesome. I saw him play at uh, Rockwood. He's just one of my favorite guitarists for sure. Since you've had a SoundCloud for so long, uh, you've been very happy to show your music you're not like bedroom producer like you're making your music for consumption in whatever way that could possibly be to an extent i think it took me a while to sort of want people to hear what i was doing i was definitely self-conscious but i felt comfortable i think just because for a long time i had played music just like as a member of bands so i had that exposure to you know being in front of people so it definitely built me up to a point where then I felt like, all right, I could put something out, you know, just that I made. In the context of music creation and what you do, what is success and have you reached it? Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, what would it look like? What would it look like? I mean, for me, like I have a full-time job now, you know, for a long time I was basically like freelancing, doing audio engineering and playing gigs. And I realized I hated it. Like when you're, when you're trying to like make money from music, like exclusively, you start to really not like music very much. At least in my case, that's what happened. So success, I guess what you're saying to me is, you know, enjoying what I'm doing. So I am definitely enjoying it now much more than I did then. Did you go to conservatory? Did you go to college? What was your, where, where, like how, talk about that transition from early teen years and loving that kind of rock to, um, to you choosing to do it professionally? Sure. So in high school, you know, I played drums in you know, the school band and I was in like some extracurricular music clubs and whatnot and playing in a bunch of rock bands and, then um, I decided I was going to go to college for music, um, but I went for music production because for some reason that seemed like it was maybe possible to make money in, but turns out that was not the case. Okay. 
All I mean, right. maybe it's possible, but it's not likely. Did um, you, you did you stay in New York State or did you go elsewhere? I went to the Hart School in Hartford, Connecticut. Hey, how about that? Our yeah. last week's guest went to University of Hartford and envied Whoa. anybody who went to the Hart School. Calvin Williams, our very own from Lush Vibes Radio, was talking about how he was kicking himself that he never went to the Hart School and how much uh, revere he had for all the uh, fellow Hart School folks. Yeah, the so. Hart School is great. It was a, a fantastic music program. I studied music production, and at that point, I was still mainly a drummer, so I was in the jazz drum program. In high school, when I was in bands, I sort of out of necessity got into recording because you know your band needed to have a demo so you can go to venues and say, hey, listen to this, you know, so book us. So I bought a four track, and I learned how to use that. And then it kind of got sparked my interest in recording and production. I was like, oh, this is cool. Maybe this could be my career. So I wanted to work in studios. I wanted to be like a, a producer, an engineer in recording studios. Very you cool. play all your own instruments on these on these songs I, normally? Yeah. On all the stuff that's we're talking about, the Scott Making Sense records, it's all me. I record it. I mix it. I play everything. We want to actually at this time listen to one of your uh, new songs off this EP, uh, extremely popular rap songs. Uh, I, I had referenced before that not all of your music is rap, but uh, it would appear that that is uh, not the case for this album or this EP, if you will. Uh, most of the songs on this EP are rap songs. Um, the original title was going to be for this EP, um, extremely popular TikTok songs. But uh, <laughs> DistroKid would not let me name it that. They have a rule. That's awesome. <laughs> the song is called Tortilla, um, a food that I very much love. Um, and I assume that you loved it as much as I do, if not more, to write a ditty about it. Yeah, I mean, all respect to gluten intolerant people, but <laughs> I'm all about bread. I love it. I love that. So I, this is kind of my... Uh, my pie on to all things bread. How do you feel about right. corn tortillas? Uh, for tacos, yes. Uh huh. But if you're I mean, making like burritos and things, you get the the flour, the big flour ones. Mm-hmm. What if we're on the topic of tortillas? How do you feel about corn flour fried chicken? <laughs> get out. We're listening to a song now called Tortilla, a.k.a. Bread Wrap by Scott, making sense off a new EP, extremely popular rap songs. Mix it up, roll it over. Beat, 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 beat that dough. Dip it in some olive oil. Extra virgin. 
virgin like a royal E-V-O-O Let's make a toast. This is a non-starter. What I like the most. Seeds I can seed would be sweet. Yes, indeed. Give me sugar. Give me shelter. Satisfaction guaranteed. Don't eat Jerry yourself. Show me what you got, sir, with the monster over there. Dosey dose around the table. Throw your hands up in the air. Breadwinner, chicken dinner, camembert. I don't care. I'ma take it to the bakery and set up shop there. Yeah. Give me that bread hook. Making bread, making dough, don't forget that yeast though Let it rise to the top, keep it covered, take it slow Get the powder, get that soda, mix it up, roll it over Beat, 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 beat that dough Dip it in some olive oil, extra virgin like a royal E-V-O-O E-V-O-O I love bread Bravo That uh, was brilliant Thank you very much thank for you. making thank that you. song Yes, wow just in that, general, thank that. Thank you for making that song. Yeah, yeah. honestly, that, that was that was a true joy to listen to, and just the line of the day for me, like, and, and you know, for, for across a plethora of lines, better bread than dead. Mwah! And better than dead. And yeah. honestly, I was not expecting that Oprah reference. Um, <laughs> that was what started the whole thing, though, for me. Oh my god, that's incredible! Like, like that we, commercial that was just like ingrained in my brain. I was not expecting it. It is the most flaming part of today. <laughs> wait so what what's what's the context of the oprah clip again there's a, uh, a weight watchers there's a weight watchers commercial where um oprah talks about how much she loves bread and she just yeah. sounds like an absolutely insane person she's just like i <laughs> love bread i love bread so i knew i knew bread it had to be sampled it had to be put into a song <laughs> at some point so this kind of i think that was the in, the plant in my mind of like at some point i'm going to make a bread song can i give you a fun fact about oprah's love of bread i would love to hear it so when you know how in that commercial she talks about how she eats bread every single day right mm-hmm. while she's on weight watchers so the bread that she eats is actually one single slice of a very healthy whole grain kind of bread so when she says that she eats bread every day it's not that white sourdough it's a healthy choice of bread it's legally considered bread yes <laughs> as somebody who is being forced to live on said one slice of crazy overly great healthy bread a song entirely about bread and specifically the mention of delicious white sourdough is crack like i mean dude the the level of self-aware conscious like commentary was like truly truly wonderful you, you find a lot of that stuff in sort of like comedic commentary as i'm sure you're aware was that a genre that you always had a love for or is this or is this just you being you so i'm actually studying for my master's right now um and i'm writing my thesis on um comedy and popular music so this is like my wheelhouse, like that that area of expertise is like basically what I live and breathe. Um, so this song was kind of written in uh, a class, uh, taking a songwriting seminar at a master's level, and I got to write a rap song about bread. I mean, why not? There's that, a, yeah. that sounds amazing. Every, every bit of what, every, everything you just said. Mwah. What you a know, world. I, I can I can resonate with this. Every uh, every opportunity I get in my program, I talk about memes. 
So <laughs> I course. get it. I it's it's so there's such a feeling of power that you get when you submit something ridiculous, knowing you're gonna get an A, but you know it's ridiculous. <laughs> I think I can just appreciate any rap song about food because as a purveyor of the rap of the rap songs, I will say there's no such thing as too little of songs rap songs about food so what i want to know is was your inspiration for the guitar that you had here it was yeah felt very middle eastern in sound there was like a very kind of like a specific type of i don't know i i I can't speak upon the theory uh, it was very electric it it sounded like a sitar was that what was it we're gonna have to rewind because i misspoke earlier when we when you asked me if I write all my, do all my own instruments and stuff, this song is the one exception hmm. because it's a sample. Um, the music playing behind this, I didn't record. It's a sample of a song somebody else wrote. Okay. Um, so Are you allowed I, to say which one? I can tell you the, the artist, his name is Sunil uh, Kunakut. He was in the class as well. So we were collaborating on this project. He wrote the music first, and then I wrote the song based on that. How did he feel when you turned his riff into a rap about bread? You know, I have no idea. What? I, I, so. <laughs> he, did you, you didn't get his clearance about this? Okay, so here's what happened. I'm about to get sued. So, um, <laughs> we were in this class together. Um, the, the assignment was you're supposed to write music without lyrics or melody and then somebody else takes the music you wrote and completes the song with melody and lyrics he wrote that and i just sat there like thinking like what the hell am i supposed to do with that so i didn't know what else to do except write a rap song to it i was like i can make a beat out of this um like i don't know how i'm gonna write like a melody to it so i'm gonna do some kind of rap thing to it i submitted the song and I later emailed him and I said, hey man, check this out. I made this with your your song and I'm going to release it. Never heard back from him. Oh, wow. So if he's listening, get in touch. Did you already have the Oprah sample ready to go? No. No, it all came, it came after that. I think Incredible. I already knew in my, in my heart that I was going to use that Oprah sample one day. Yeah. But this just became the opportunity to do it. That is incredible. Ooh. Oh, good one. Good one. Very good. <laughs> Wait, so so is this so is this potentially the song that may have ended your creative relationship? <laughs> the beginning and the end. Yeah. No, I wish I wish he got in touch with me. I wanted to you know, give him like full credit for his part, but I don't know what happened to him. He just fell off the face of the earth. When did rapping become something that you enjoyed to do? I was always a fan of like the Beastie Boys growing up, you know, I'm Jewish. I liked like, again, like back to like comedy, like they were very funny, very entertaining, but they were, you know, wrote good songs as well. So it's like that intersection of music that I really enjoy. And rap music is just like such a ripe genre for that. There's like a lot of artists who operate in that way. So it's something that I've always kind of appreciated. Well, after uh, this quick word from RFB, uh, we have even more music for you to contribute. We got Scott making sense. 
joining us this week on Lost and Rewound, Radio Free Brooklyn. We'll be back in a little bit. Radio Free Brooklyn is a 501c3 non-for-profit organization whose mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, and free expression. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. To help support our mission, we invite you to make a one-time donation or monthly pledge at radiofreebrooklyn.org. Every cent helps us continue to stay on the air, so please support independent community media by pledging whatever you can afford. All contributions are tax-deductible to the fullest extent of the law. Again, that's RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. Scott is uh, holed up in his bedroom while apparently, according to you, you said your wife is potting in the other room? Yeah, she hosts a she co-hosts a craft podcast called Craft Hangout. Nice, that is awesome. That is yeah, just they, awesome. They That's were recently like featured um, as the top craft podcast in Apple Podcasts. What Ooh. does she like? Hot glue. Loves hot glue. Yeah, I bet she does. Is she all about the hot glue sandals? I don't know what that means, but uh, I'll look it up. Okay. <laughs> Um, so do you like clear stuff with her and you play it for her before you record it usually, or do you record it and then you show it to her? She'll, she'll overhear things. We have a small apartment. So, you know, she hears me like screaming into a microphone, you know, cause she's in the other room, but she oftentimes doesn't hear the final product until everybody else does. And a lot of times is just like, what the hell did you do? <laughs> she's supportive though. You, you've got songs here in your catalog that are of country. You've got EDM. You've got you know, rock and you've got rap. I mean, you're you're a fan of a lot of different genres. So and you're not afraid of uh, of experimenting with different genres. That's true. Yeah, and like I already said, like they might be giants are like a huge influence for me. Sure. sure. And I feel like they kind of uh, taught me that it's okay to have diverse interests and it's okay to make songs that don't all sound you know, like they're exactly fit into one genre. Did somebody introduce you to They Might Be Giants or did you find them on your own? I don't know. You know, I think I knew a few of their songs just from Osmosis, you know, like Particle Man and their cover of Istanbul, not Constantinople. But then probably like late high school is when I started like really digging into their catalog. Return to Sender is a song that you contributed. Was that made uh around that time or when was it made if not yeah i was probably 18 so i don't have a lot of like very early music recordings because at that point i was you know i was a drummer originally so i didn't really write a lot of songs and this is probably like one of the very first songs that i wrote and finished and recorded and still have how did you record it did you record it on your computer just like using like a snowball microphone or something um i think i had at this point i had the original mbox so that oh, was wow, like okay. a, the pro tools did you design mbox um oh, and i basically had like probably one microphone and uh just used that for everything is there an artist name that you have or is it I think just at this just... point I was I was um, using the artist name Mark with a C, Empire from Empire Records. That's a great reference. Rex Manning Day every day. Yes. <laughs> so wait, what year is this then? Sorry if you don't. I don't mean to date you, my friend, but uh, um, what year are we looking at here then? This has got to be two thousand four or two thousand five, somewhere in between there. Okay, mid aughts. 
Return to Sender. Here we go. definitely felt like a 90s rock song that definitely felt like a lot of love for that genre in there there is a a sort of like universal as i'm sure you're aware of the concept of the getting over yourself album or song and was this one of those early experiences where you were sort of like yes i am getting to put a very personal part of myself out there and it in a sense frees you to just try anything was this that for you? I feel like at this point, I had no idea how to write a song, mm. like, like especially like mm. lyrics. So like, I don't even know why I wrote any of this. Like, I just maybe <laughs> the only thing I can it, think is because like the Postal Service album came out around then. So I was yeah, like, Postal I'm, Service say. mail. <laughs> <laughs> it felt well. Okay, I, there was a few points I was going to make, which was just that it felt very emo and it felt like very derivative and influenced by a lot of the groups that you had mentioned earlier in the hour where, um, you know, these were bands that pressed upon you because you came from a very punk background. Yeah, for sure. Like stylistically, this was like, I understand, like that makes sense. Like why I, I was making songs like this. Like at that point, I was very into like Taking Back Sunday and Midtown oh, yeah. and Brand New and just all of the 
really like current pop punk. And in like the early, excuse me, the mid aughts, like all that shit was just all over the place. I, I had already kind of checked out because myself, I had uh, uh, graduated college at that point and I was sort of a little bit like out of sorts with what the current music stratosphere was like. But when I went to Angels and Kings in the Lower East Side and that was owned by Fallout Boys, Pete Wentz, I was like, ah, this shit is like way too like above my pay grade. Like I don't understand yeah. any of this. Like it's all that's totally yeah. trendy. Now, yeah. So like this. So okay. So like I was a kid during the emo era. So I was just like entrenched in it. And so this song gives me a very specific vibe of like of like getting ready with my friends before going to a middle school dance that we were too cool for. <laughs> and like that is like the soundtrack. Preach, preach! Oh, good. Love it. Oh, good. That's what I was aiming for. Yeah. Yeah, like like an angry, like an angsty eleven-year-old in the corner texting her friend, another one in the bathroom shaving her legs, and another one watching all while this is playing in the background. That's oh, what I was envisioning. Wow. So good. Getting my MySpace page. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you were saying postal service. I was going to say, did you? receive or did you write letters a lot or what by this point no. you're like fuck no. that email no, no absolutely no. not it was the- i just think i think it 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 had a you know a romantic quality to it um the idea of writing letters uh it seemed- did you ever write a love letter or a love note to a a a, a crush ever sure yeah i'm sure i did okay. and i definitely wrote you know, letters to my wife before we we wed. Uh huh. How you gotta uh, get there? Gotta unpack yeah. that. <laughs> well, well, okay. Since since Will did ask that, uh, were you guys apart for a while um, to approach the writing of love letters to uh, your future uh, betrothed? Uh, no, not really. But it is. There's a kind of a funny. Um, I mean, we've just always been very close in proximity to each other. Word. But there's a funny kind of um, record of our early years. And I get reminded of it frequently in my Facebook memories because we mm. kind of started dating at like the very beginning of like Facebook becoming a thing. So there's all these like posting on each other's walls and comments that are all like completely you know, out of context now. You have no idea what any of it means. But like every so often, it'll be like, you have a memory from 14 years ago. And it'll say like, I left my phone in your car. <laughs> that might as well be the equivalent of... Uh, Modern day love language. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, For sure. Oh, so true. Walk us through from how we got from emo Scott to you getting into comedy music. And, um, and, how, and what was that sort of era? And did that era coincide with you meeting your wife? Yeah, so there was definitely like a long period of sort of being self-conscious especially with like lyric writing i wrote that song and it didn't it didn't really mean anything but that was you know kind of like it's safe it's like about nothing really it's you know maybe you can kind of read vague themes out of it but like eventually like as i you know kept writing i think i kind of realized what i was better at like i already talked about they might be giants but like also like ben folds it's like a big influence on my music like through a lot of his songs realized like you can write funny things there's there's sort of this fake song language that like he talks about in some interviews where it's like you write lyrics that are like 
things that people would never say in real life, but would, <laughs> you know, sing in a song. Sure. And that's kind of like ingrained in you, like from listening to music. And it's, it's really silly and weird. And I never felt comfortable writing that way. So like kind of after being exposed to a lot of his music, I realized like, oh, you don't have to do that. So I started writing what I knew and what I like. And that kind of turned into this comedy type pop music that I do now. Very, very cool. It's quite a um, graduation from lyrics such as chivalry died with honesty and pride. No, I'm kidding. I love, I love that line though. It, it, <laughs> Single it was... tear rolled down my cheek. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, you know, I think you have to laugh at yourself a little bit more than, uh, you know, if, when you get older, you, it, 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 there's a good chance that uh, we get a lot more like uh, the word would be sullen and a little more cynical, but uh if you could laugh at yourself as you get older, the, I think the, the healthier you are, especially in times when we are uh, in need of that entertainment. So uh, it's good that you have found that vehicle. This is a, another older song. I suspect uh, is, it was made around the same time, but uh, I don't know if it uh, reflects more comedic or more of the same sort of vibe we were getting with the first track. Hubbard is the title? Yeah. So like I said, this was like a point where I was still like very self-conscious about songwriting. So yeah. I didn't just write heartfelt lyrics or pop songs or whatever. So I was also doing a lot of different experimental-ish electronic type things. Um, and this is a little bit more in that vein Ooh. because I felt like it was a little bit like it was kind of cheating. It was like you didn't have to write lyrics. You could kind of do this other kind of music when you wrote this song uh what kind of instruments did you use this one is mostly recorded like i think i did it in logic um and it's a lot of like logic sounds and samples probably the only real instrument is electric guitar and off we go well it starts like this very good it's a heavy Horrified. Ten 
what had happened to me. I, I thought that some facsimiles must have appeared in front of me, but they didn't look like facsimiles. Very good. Uh, confused happened, and uh, I had a feeling, but I got confused. His legs might be a bit modified and his arms and that sort of thing, but he probably would look horrifying. Like an Eskimo. music that I chose to listen to for such a huge period of my early high school life and just most oh. of my life even up till today that's like that sounds hive influences that sounds like frontier psychiatry to me also you, we got a lot of like little, you ever listen to little children you hear that you got you got avalanches as whoa. a comparison whoa that's, um, that's high praise yeah dude pancake simile Pancake. Pancake. Um, pancake. 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 Can anyone identify the the speaker in yeah, that? Yeah, that was 
that was my uh, thought the whole track. I was like, what the fuck is this shit from? <laughs> Where? What sci-fi was you, were you watching? Or not sci-fi. It sounds more sci-fi because you made it sound sci-fi. It's probably like Columbo or something like that. <laughs> no, no, it's it's a Brit. Oh. I can't figure out. It's not a Brit. I can't figure out. I couldn't figure out who the fuck it was. Rachel, you have an idea? Um, is it is it Nixon? It's not. It's L. Ron Hubbard. Oh my God! That's oh, well, so perfect. That, that, oh God! Duh. You you kind of gave us a hint with the name of the track. I totally didn't even think. I was like Hubbard. Mm. I didn't really <laughs> think. But yes. So that was L. Ron Hubbard. You sampled his uh, discussion from a video that you saw online, or uh, it wasn't even you- a video. I think it, I just found like an audio recording on like archive.org or something, you know, some free library of archived stuff. Wait, on the Wayback Machine? Yeah, so archive.org, to this day, it still has this whole catalog. You can go in and look at like... Treasure Trove. Yeah, like uh, copyright-free audio and video and things. And I still go in there and sample things and make funny music out of it. I listen to it now and it feels like it's very static. Like I wish it was shorter or changed more like musically over the course of the song. But as like, as far as like the process of making it, like I'm glad like I went through it. Like I definitely learned a lot about sampling and, you know, creating stuff with like found recordings. I know that you had contributed uh, one more new song uh, that I wanted to play because, uh, it speaks to me, and uh, I couldn't say no when you provided it to me. It's called Profile Picture. So this is going to be on an album, or it's going to be on an EP that I'm going to hopefully put out next few months called uh, The Dog EP. Do you wish you had a dog? Um, I love dogs. I'm a big big fan of animals in general. So, so uh, I've had a few you... dogs. Oh, okay. But you don't have yes. dogs now. Correct. I have two cats at the moment. I definitely would love to have a dog again at some point but probably not until we get out of this apartment would you describe yourself as bipetual Ooh, interesting maybe like panpetual yeah okay, oh. I'm into it. Even well, uh, we have we have hermit crabs Ooh, nice Running i had a hermit method. crab one time and then i went to uh I don't know, clean its cage or something, and little tiny worms crawled out of the shell. Hmm. Oh, yeah. more pets. Worm pets. <laughs> mm, yeah. Would you write a song about Fiona for me someday? Sure. Okay. Nice. I mean, she'll never hear it. I mean, maybe she will. I mean, she's blind as no. a bat, but she, she has great hearing. Put her against the speaker. Just let her feel the vibrations. Uh, That's all. Music is just vibrations. Yeah, Yeah. a lot of vibrations. Vibing, man. Yeah. All right, no time for delay. Let's listen to uh, this brand new song, and it is called Profile Picture. Yeah, you've got a pretty smile, and we both like the X-Files. Your favorite author, Stephen King. But there's just another thing All your pictures as I click through But let's be honest, why? 
kind of dog was in that profile picture was it a shih tzu um, this song is uh what we call a, f- a work of fiction uh-huh. i'm, I'm oh, lying no. i'm lying to the listener oh, oh man well if, if you had to pick what kind of dog would it be probably something like real fluffy yeah you know, oh, like fluffy like uh like a brijon frise or like a poodle or, or something like a pomeranian Maybe yeah. like you know, like a big, like one. What are those big cloud dogs? Oh, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, like a like a what's called like a Siberian. They're they're not huskies, but they're but they're basically just big balls of fur. And Malamute. Malamute. Yeah, that's the one. I, I feel like that captures such a like clear and, and like universally experienced trope of like dating during COVID, much less dating before COVID. In the same vein that like Ben Folds 2020 kind of captured a feel of 2020 like that's you know that holy shit yet again originally i was gonna write a whole album of like dating songs like tinder a tinder album um i don't know why like i i kind of missed the era of online dating like i have been married for a number of years that i cannot remember um Let's we'll do Neither it. Can I. We'll, okay. we'll insert that later. I'll just leave the line. We'll we'll cut it in. Um, but it's just such a part of the 
you know, of the zeitgeist of the culture. And uh, I came up with like all these uh, song names for this album. And I only wrote this one. And then I wrote like half of another song. I I mean, the wordplay is great. You're, you are a, a true student of the Johns, sir. How the fuck? Like, this is this is amazing music, dude. Scott, you're you're Thank having you. too much fun. You're Thank having you, yeah. far too yeah, much no, fun. Keep this going. Keep it going. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we're good for. We we got you got you brought the bread. We got nothing. the butter. We'll butter your bread, friend. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like like I said, like I'm only making music because it entertains me. Like if it's not yeah. fun, if it's not like something that I enjoy listening to or think other people are gonna like, I don't. I wouldn't make it. So it's like. I don't have any obligation to make anything less than that. Thank you so much for sharing songs of old and songs of new, Scott. This was uh, has been a romp of an hour, and you are, are a, a team player, sir. Thank you. Thank you, Scott. Uh, honestly, Thank you for having me. No pleasure. I will, I'll come on anytime if you promise to compliment me all, all night. A reminder that you can catch Scott's music all over the web, including Bandcamp, YouTube, Spotify, and, of course, SoundCloud, where he has certainly put up most of his catalog. That is soundcloud.com slash scottmakingsense. Sense like the money, of course. <laughs> uh, we here at LNR are also up on SoundCloud as well as Apple Podcasts, and our main site, as always, is radiofreebrooklyn.org slash L-A-R, where you can stream any one of our 200-plus episodes with the mere click of a button through the megaphone player. If you were inspired by something you heard this hour and want to go fishing for a catch of an old clip that you think serves our show's ethos, email me, lostandrewound at radiofreebrooklyn.org. This has been episode 225 of Lost and Rewound. Come back again next week from 3 to 4 p.m., where we'll have a brand new episode with more sounds of your youth on display for the world to hear. Wear a mask, stay safe and resilient. For goodness sake, if you're here in the States, vote. Bye-bye. of the word savant <laughs> <laughs> i'm yeah. an expert i'm an expert in the food in the rap rap variety yeah please unpack ayala dancing or emma savant yes specifically food rap <laughs> i unwrap the food and I, <laughs> and I know exactly what i'm talking about